It is a joy to be with you today. Uh, haven't been here, I haven't preached for you for quite a long time. Hey, you were lucky. <laughs> um, I, uh, I got a call from your uh, interim pastor, Pastor Jim, uh, just Friday, uh, just uh, sharing how much he appreciated me coming to preach for him this Sunday. That's not really why he called me. He really called me to tell me he was sitting next to a pool in 80 degree weather, soaking up the sun, and I hung up on him. So I... <laughs> For those who don't uh, know about the Church of God in Michigan a whole lot, we, we are, you are one of, of 97 churches here in Michigan that are Church of God congregations. My role is, is to be responsible for you. Someone said, you run those churches. I said, no, I, I'm responsible for you, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's a great privilege to serve the church. And I want to thank you for your, over the years, you have, you have supported the work of, the, of our, our churches across the state. I wanted to just bring to you two really good news things because of your support of the work we're doing. Today we have an exciting church plant in Grand Rapids, Michigan uh, called Vita Plena. Vita Plena we just started three years ago and is running over 120 people now. Spanish-speaking church, Pastor Julian Guzman there. And uh, one of the things that we do in the Church God in Michigan, to, together we, our, our support for one another helps us to start new churches. And uh, we, we are excited. I met just last week with Pastor Julian and, and another pastor that he is training. And we're going to have another Hispanic work going on in Grand Rapids very quickly. And uh, I want to thank you because people are being saved and coming to Christ because of your support of our work together. Another exciting place is, is down in the southwest corner of the state, down in Benton Harbor. We had a church in a place called Benton Heights, and uh, the church had, had, uh, had grown old and, and gotten very small. There was only about 10 people left in the church when they called me, and they wanted to hand me the keys and say, we, we just don't have the wherewithal to do this anymore. But because of your support, I was able to work with our church in St. Joe, uh, and we, together we, we, we restarted that church. Today there's 150 people in church there today. Uh, the church, which was a, a small Caucasian church, is now 125 people of just a wide variety of, of ethnicities, and, and God is working powerfully there. And those are just two good stories. I could tell you more, but because we work together, because of your support of our work together, God is doing great things, and I want to thank you for allowing us to to serve the church at large together. This Lenten season, we're talking about the road to the cross. And we, you talked today about how we're talking about this, this whole Jesus turning to the cross. And I wanted to bring a message today that I hope will be an encouragement to you, uh, that I hope will, will also be a challenge to us. Um, I want to speak from Romans. I'm going to be speaking from Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read from some scripture in a moment, but I, I need to, this is, this is kind of a long intro, so here you go. Romans is the greatest theological treatise ever written. Oh, there's been great theologians over the years, but, but Paul writes in Romans, particularly in the first six chapters of Romans, the whole reason why Jesus had to go to the cross, the whole reason why he was headed that direction, why he turned his face to the cross, and he went there for us. He talks about our sinfulness and our lostness and how we can't save ourselves. He talks about the law, and the, the law just reminds us how sinful we are, not how good we can be and, or how we could be saved. And, and, and he goes through that, those first six chapters to talk about not only our condition, but God's mercy for us, that he would give his only son for us, that he would send Jesus to pay a penalty that we could not pay, to pay a debt we could not afford. He sent his beloved son 
on our behalf. He, he explains it in such a wonderful way in those first six chapters of, of Romans. And, and then the seventh chapter of Romans comes along, and, and it's the treatise that Paul talks about a, a dilemma that many of us feel at times. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. He said, I look at myself, and he said, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I, I shouldn't do, I do. And he, he goes this whole process of saying, I'm a mess. Any of you ever felt that? I've felt that. I've, I could read that and go, that's me. You know, I, I understand those, those feelings of, Lord, I need help. And, and he goes through that. But then he's reminded again. He, he said, but, but we're not saved because we're, but we're good. We're not saved because we've earned our way to heaven. We're saved because Jesus went to the cross for us. We're given grace from God. God has shown his a mercy to us that we don't deserve. And, he, and, he, and, and as he does that, he comes to this eighth chapter. And this is where I want to start speaking. I, I want, and he, in the eighth chapter of Romans, it's, the, the very first verse says this. He says, therefore, okay, because of all this stuff that we've learned about God's grace and his wonderful love for us, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life, set me free from the law of sin and death. There is now no condemnation. Paul goes on in this chapter here too, in this eighth chapter. I, it, I, I call it my pastoral chapter. I use it a lot when I'm doing pastoral work, when I'm visiting in the hospital or I'm dealing with a family that's grieving. and Let me just share with you some of the wonderful truths because up, getting up to our text that I'm going to lead us to, in this chapter, Paul kind of delineates and lays out these wonderful benefits, these wonderful benefits that are ours because Jesus went to the cross. The wonderful benefits of ours because God has shown us grace. And, and these are just a few of the things that he tells us uh, in this wonderful chapter. In verse 11 he says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. He said, just as certainly as Jesus rose from the dead, you are going to rise also. This life isn't just all it is. This is just a preparatory time for heaven for us who are in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm telling you, just as surely as God raised his son from the dead, he's going to raise you. That's good news for us who've lost loved ones to know that someday we see them again. This wonderful promise. That's one of the great benefits that is ours because of what Jesus did because he went to the cross for us. Oh, but in verse 15 gives another wonderful benefit. He says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. We're going to talk more about that because many of us are slaves to fear. It happens to us. But he says, we've received a spirit that that makes you that 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 you uh, that you've received again that you're no longer a slave to fear but you've received the spirit of sonship and we cry abba father we we say daddy we we know god not as this awesome i i, I passed a sign yesterday you know, there are signs on the roads all the time and and it was i was just coming down i think it was 50 57 i was going to greenville that road there and it said you should fear god and i thought you know They've misunderstood what the word fear in the Bible means. The fear of God in the Bible is talking about respect and honoring Him, not being afraid of Him. Paul's telling us that we should see God as a God who loves us, a God who cares for us. 
He's, so we can call him dad. And the spirit itself testifies with your spirit that you are children of God. I just came off a retreat, uh, a men's retreat. The State Church of God men's retreat uh, was over near Greenville. That's where I was going. And, and, um, and, and, and uh, the whole theme of the messages that were brought to us by Dr. Lyons, as he shared with us, was simply this. He said, he said we need to know who we are. And the Bible says that in Christ, you're a child of God. In Christ, you are beloved. You need to know who you are. Hey, this is an, but he goes on to another wonderful truth. And he says this, I consider that our present suffering, this is verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. I've shared that verse with so many people when I sat by their bed in the hospital and they're dying. They're near the end. I tell them, do you understand? I don't know if you're going to live or die. Only God knows that. But if you live, it's Christ. And to die is gain. You win, no matter what. He says, we, I know you're going through suffering right now. It says here, but that suffering can't compare to the glory we're going to know when we're with Jesus. What a wonderful promise of ours because we know Jesus. All the, but it goes on, verse 26 Ever, ever had a trouble knowing what to pray for? I have there once one like, Lord, I can't figure out in my human mind what's the best thing here. But I know I'm supposed to pray. But this is, listen to this truth in verse 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot be expressed. In other words, hey, I'm covering it for you. Just pray. You may not know exactly what to pray for, but I got that covered. He says, just pray that God's going to intercede, that Jesus is there on the right, at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. What a wonderful truth. One of the great verses that we, we all know is verse 28 of this same chapter. And we know that in all things God works for good, for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say everything happens to us as good. You understand that. All of us have... Every one of us have crises. Every one of us have disasters. Every one of us have these terrible times that come in our lives. But what this says is that God can bring good from anything. He can take the worst circumstances of our life and bring us some good. Well, that's my whole introduction to get you to the verse I want to talk about today. And, and I, so I, I, I ask you to bear with me as we look next at verse 31. I think it's printed in your bulletin if you want to follow along as well. We've just had this whole list of wonderful benefits, and I didn't even hit them all in chapter 8, but these wonderful benefits that are ours because Jesus went to the cross for us. And then he says, what then shall we say in response to this? With all this good stuff that we just learned about what, what it means to be in Christ, what shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who brings any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. What then should we say to all this stuff? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, that's a rhetorical question. 
It's, it, it, what that's saying is that God is for us. That, that's what Paul is telling us. He, you know, that, that if God's for us, now if the question had been asked, who can be against us? <laughs> hey, here we go, right? Uh, who can be against us? You know, man, we got, we got Green Bay and Minnesota and football. You know, I'm a Lions fan, so <laughs> yeah, they can be. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but there's also serious things like, like cancer and heart problems and, and financial difficulties. And, and we can list, if, we, if the list was who can be against us, we could make a long list. We're going into tax time right now. We might think the tax man could be against us. You know, it's, yeah, there, we can make that long list of all those things that, that are against us. But that's not the question. The question is if God is for us, who can be against us? And in that question, it's making a statement that God is for us. And so I just want to touch on that for just a moment with you today. It says that God, God, can you say, just to say, his, say his name, God, God, God is for us. It would be cool, I guess, I think it would be cool if, if Bill Gates would land his helicopter out here in your parking lot somewhere, and, and uh, though it's kind of filled up out there, but we'd find a place for him. He, I'm sure they'd let him land it. And he came in here and he would say to you, you know, First Church of God of Alma, you, I've heard about all the good things you're doing for this community and, how, and all this beautiful children and how you're training them. And, and, and you, he said, I just heard all this good stuff. I've decided that I'm just going to peel off a, a million of my dollars and I would, it's like pocket change for me and I'm going to give it to you to do ministry. That would not be bad, I guess, you know. I'd, I'd get, but listen, the God who enabled Bill Gates to figure out Microsoft Windows, the God who gives the President of the United States his authority, the God who holds this universe in his hands, he is for you. Don't need anybody else, right? God, the God of this universe is for you. But God is is. I have to think about that for a moment. God is. Can you say it with me? Is? Is. Have, do you understand that? I, I've talked to so many people who said, there was a time when I felt God's closeness. There was a time when I, I sensed His Spirit near me. I, I sensed what He wanted me to do. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've had people tell me, but I've gone through a period of time where I don't know where He's at. I'm not saying I don't love Him. I just don't feel him. I don't sense his presence like I once did. It's, I, I, I yearn for it, and I beg for it, and I, I'm not finding it. Have, have you ever been there where, where God seems to, to fall silent? Many of us have. But let me say to you this. He still loves you. This scripture here, and I believe the scripture is true, doesn't say God once was for us. It says he is right now. Whether I sense his presence or not, he is right now. One of the mentors I used, I, I didn't know him personally, but I, I, he mentored me through his books and his videos and things I watched as I was, was learning to, to become a pastor was John Maxwell. And one of the things that John Maxwell teaches and, and helped me so much when I was going through a dry time in my life when I just, I thought, God, where are you? I'm, I'm supposed to be a pastor, <laughs> And I'm, I'm feeling like I don't know where you're at right now. I, 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 I love you. I've given my life to you. but I don't. And Maxwell said this. <clears throat> he said, don't doubt in the darkness what God has made clear in the light. 
I think there are dark times that come in our lives for various reasons. Times when we feel like, wonder where God went. But Maxwell, just remember what you knew about him in the light, because God doesn't change. Maybe I've changed. Maybe my attitude's changed. Maybe something's shifted in my life. But the truth is, God hasn't moved. And what you believed about him when things were going well are true about him when things aren't going well. I just wonder if there aren't times that even God chooses to withdraw for a while to say, will you love me even if you don't sense my presence? Can we be like the three young men in the fiery furnace? You remember what they said? They said, you know, O king, you can throw us in that fiery furnace. And whether, in the Bill Jones translation, whether we burn up or not, we will serve God. That's what they said. Even if things don't go well, we will serve him. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I think there are times in our lives when we have to be able to have that tested and say, Lord, I'll stand even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances because I trust you. I do believe you have not changed in the midst of whatever I'm going through. God is today. Right now, even if you're going through a dark time in your life, God is today. We have to talk about four. God is for you. Say it with me. For. Have you ever said or heard someone say, I don't know why God is doing this to me? I've felt it at times. It's almost as if, why is God punishing me? Why is God doing this thing? Or why did God allow this thing to even happen? You know, it, it's, it's, like, it's like, what's God doing to me? I want to say to you today, I don't believe God is against you. I don't think he ever was or ever will be against you. God is not your enemy. He loves you. He gave his only son for you. He gave his most precious for you. Would I do that and then try to harm you? I don't think so. Stuff happens. Life happens. Things are difficult, and that is true. But it's not because God is trying to hurt you. So many negative things happen to us because I made a bad choice. And I blame God. Or someone else made a bad choice or bad action, and I blame God. You know, or, or nature happens, and tornadoes happen, and hurricanes happen, and floods happen, and bridge crush cars of innocent people. But it's not like God's crushing cars. It's not like God is out there doing bad things. We live in a world that is stained by sin that is just, just torn up by sin. The Bible, even just, it's even described that in this very chapter, it talks about we live in a world that's in travail like childbirth, that this world's being wrung out because of sinfulness in this world. Personal sinfulness is the sinfulness of mankind. And living in a sin-stained world, there's going to be terrible things that happen. I would be very cautious about ever blaming God for what happens. I think God looks and grieves as we grieve. And cares more than we can understand. But in this world we live that is so marred by, by sin. God is for us, not against us. He's there always for us. But, oh, the last one. God is for us. I'm going to change that. 
Would you just say, God is for me? Would you say, God is for me? We can say us and corporately, but, but, but you know, for, for me, but, but I want to think of individually. I know, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to, to, to think about the realities of, you know, you look at a, a, a person like Pastor Jim, you know, he's, he's handsome and slim and, and he's got a beautiful wife and he's had a successful ministry and it's obvious that God is for him. Uh, you might look at some of you musicians and say, look how God has gifted these people who can sing and play and, and man, it's obvious that God is, is for them. But is God for me? Does he know me personally? In Isaiah 43, a very interesting, one of my most favorite verses in the Bible, where there he's talking about Israel, but I always apply it to myself. He says there he knows us by name. Another passage tells us he, every hair, <laughs> well, every hair on their heads count is numbered. Some of them are very few, but it's, <laughs> Sorry, Glenn. I looked over inside and I said that. Oh, I didn't even say that. But anyway. But, but, but you know, God knows you so personally. He knows you so directly. He understands your heart. He understands all the stuff you've been through in your life. He knows you. And He is for you. Not just other people out there. But you are special on God's list. Your name's written on the palm of His hand. Jesus, when He died on the cross... He died for you. Not just, oh, a world. Maybe I got left out somehow. He loves you. This whole chapter, though, it began with the, the whole thing of that there's therefore now no condemnation. And yet, have you ever felt condemned? Have you ever heard those little voices up there, hearing voices, it must be crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. But haven't you ever felt like, I'm not good enough? I'm not smart enough? I'm not spiritual enough? I don't pray enough? I don't serve enough? I don't give enough? Do you ever hear those kind of things like, that, that just want to condemn you? Well, this, this verse here picks that up. It says, who will bring any charge against you? those whom God has chosen. It's God who justifies. The answer is there is somebody who brings a charge to you. They call him the devil. I do believe there's a real devil. He exists. And the Bible says that his whole purpose is to seek and destroy every person that he can. He wants us to believe that we're not good enough. He wants us to believe that we're not smart enough. He wants us to believe that we're not spiritual enough. He wants us to look at all the faults of our life and look at it and say, God could never love you. I want you to hear this. Jesus died on that cross so you don't have to live under that burden. That you don't have to live under the burden of, being, of condemnation or the burden of fear that maybe I'll not be good enough to get to heaven. Why? Well, I, I'm an old man now, I understand. I, I, I grew up in a church when, you know, we, the, if you went to a movie, you know, you ever heard, what if Jesus returned while you were in there? I, you know, it's like, oh, you don't go in movie theaters, you know? So, you know, I, and, you know and, and there was a lot of my life as a young person where I was afraid that I was going to do something bad and Jesus was going to return in that moment and I'm, I'm lost. I, maybe, 
I'll tell you, that's, some of us carry that fear. It's like, what if I think a bad thought? I want you to understand this. When Jesus went to the cross, he died for all of your sin. You are sent free from the bondage of sin and death. The only way you're going to walk away from Jesus is if you choose to you absolutely say, Jesus, I don't trust you anymore. I don't believe you're the Son of God. Can you lose your salvation? Yeah, it's a real decision. It's not an accident. It's not going into a movie theater. It's not thinking a bad thought. It's a, it's a strong, long, thought-out decision to walk away from the one who loves you so. Can you do that? Yeah, God made us with a free will. He never takes away our free will, so we could choose to walk away. But you don't lose it by accident. You don't lose it because you're in some, you're in some location somewhere that God can't find you. It streaks me that, that in the Psalms it says, where, where, where can I go from your presence? If I go to the height, if I go to the depths of hell, you're there. Understand that God loves you. And if you're sensing some sort of, of condemnation or fear in your life right now, I want you to hear that this whole passage was written for you to say, God is for you. He's rooting you on. He's saying, get to the finish line. I know it's hard. I know you're limping, but you can make it. Get to the finish line. I'm here for you. I won't abandon you. I won't leave you alone. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When I was a small child, I went to... My, I, my, my grandparents were German Catholics in southern Indiana. Oldenburg, Indiana. If you've ever been down in that area there, I mean, the street signs are all in German. And they, these are German Catholic people. <laughs> and my, my grandparents were farmers. They had a little 40-acre farm. Back in the day, you could make a living on a 40-acre farm just growing your crops and stuff. And my grandfather was a very stern German man. That When he left in the morning, he put me out in his field, out in his potato patch, and my job was to pull morning glories out of the potato patch. As a little kid, I pulled some potatoes too because I sometimes got confused what a morning glory and a potato looked like, you know. But, but I remember being out there. But as soon as Grandpa would get out in the fields, Grandpa and Grandma would come and get us out of the field, you know, and she'd say, you can play, you're a kid. My grandma understood we are kids. And, and she would buy us things, you know. One time she bought me a, a little um, a, a slingshot. You remember those little wire slingshots that had the rubber bands on them and a little piece of leather in the back? And, you know, they would shoot little bitty pea things. You know, they were, oh, man. I, I was reading a story the other day. It reminded me so much of those because I, I used to shoot those around the barnyard at my grandma's house. And it was about a little boy that he had been given that very same kind of, he'd been given a slingshot. And he was shooting it around, having fun with it at his grandma's house. And he and his sister were there as me and my sister were at my grandma's grandma's house because we loved going there and and uh, and uh, his sister were there and, and grandma called him in for lunch as he come in for lunch you know he's still got his slingshot and he's got a, and, he, and as he comes up right over here there's a the the pet duck it's like a duck that hung around the ground the, the yard barn yard there and and being a mischievous little guy he thought i'll scare that duck and he, he gets him a stone you know and, and does he hadn't hit the side of a barn all day right this hits the duck right in the head and kills it Oh, oh no, yeah, that was his words. Oh no. That, his words were that, and then his thought was, the first thing he did was to look around to see if anybody 
saw him. He didn't see anybody see him, but so he grabs his duck and puts it behind the woodpile over here, and he goes in for lunch. They have lunch, and at the end of lunch, the, the kids were taking turns helping Grandma do dishes. And so it, it, she, it, the Grandma says, well, Johnny, I, 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 I see you. You can go out and play now because Susie, she, it's her turn to do dishes. And, and Susie, though, happened to be standing on the porch watching him when he shot the duck. She knew what he did. <laughs> and so she said to Johnny, said, Johnny, you, you would be glad to take my place this afternoon doing dishes, wouldn't you? This went on for three meals. And little Johnny, every time you know, it's like, Johnny, you want, you'll take my place. Johnny's little hands had shriveled up. I mean, you know, it had been in the dishwasher, and he was wrinkled, and he didn't know if he was going to survive. So after the third meal, he finally said, Grandma, I've got to tell you, I did something really bad. I, it was, I, I didn't mean to do it, but I, I killed your duck. I, shot, I didn't mean to hit it, but I hit it with my slingshot and it died. Tears in his eyes. <laughs> and Grandma said, Johnny, I was sitting here at the kitchen sink. I saw through the window what you did. She said, I was just wondering how long you were going to let your sister make a slave of you. Is there something in your life where the devil's making a slave of you? Or he's holding you in fear that you might get caught or, or condemning you and saying you're not good enough? As we close today, I want to say to you these words that come from the same chapter. I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you trust that? There's nothing that can separate you from God's love. And whether you're being held under condemnation. Remember, there's no condemnation for you. Jesus paid the price. And if you're somehow fearful right now and held in this group of fear, remember, He came to set you free that no one can accuse you. You are a child of God. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this one who went to the cross and died for you, he, you were on His mind. As we sing this wonderful song in the next few moments, I'm going to ask that you would just say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know this, this God who loves me so much that he would give his only son. He'd give his best. If you just invite him, he'll come into you. And he'll give you all these wonderful promises that I've talked about and much, much more. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you today for these people, all who are gathered here, Father. You know each one of us, and you know us by name. You know the struggles of our life. You know the challenges that we face. You know our fears, and you know the condemnations that are put upon us. But Father, today we claim your truth from this passage, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. That you have set us free from fear.
to live powerfully and joyfully for you. Come, Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts, minister to our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.